I have a special guest this week on Minnie's Mana and her name is Laura Beck. She is living in a yurt right now in McCall, Idaho and Laura is a an environmental science educator, a podcast producer and a comedian and Laura was in my English class um, when I was a high school teacher and drama director at a boarding school in the North Woods many years ago. So I'm excited to have Laura Beck with me today on the show. Yay! Thank you for joining me. My name is Minnie. Welcome to my podcast. A guess is just a guess. Sometimes a guess is just a guess. A guess is just a guess. You can measure with your tape measure like an inchworm on a tree. But when it comes down to magic, honey, there's something you don't see that a guess is just a guess. Sometimes we guess it right. Sometimes we guess it wrong. Sometimes we sing something sweet. Sometimes we sing something so long and boring. But a guess is just a guess. My guess is as good as yours. My guess is just as good as yours. So change is here to stay. That's the paradox. Change is here to stay. I don't even like the sound of my voice right now. But that's okay. I'm going to talk anyway. That's my thing, right? I just show up. Show up for each day. See what it gives you. See what the gift is. I'm a mud skipper, mud skipper. I've got my eye on my head. I'm a mud, mud skipper. because I figure I'll just capture a bunch of stuff and yeah well yeah how are you look at you you look like you've had a shower and you look all perky <laughs> I did today was my 
uh, I go to the grocery store at 6 a.m. So then I come home and shower and like, so it's been, it's been a day. Oh, good. Yes, you get at six. Oh my God. Yeah. How is life in the yurt? Or how are you doing with everything? Oh, it's been a rough week, but that's okay. How are you? Yeah, it's been, it's been a rough week for me too. I'm a bird, bird skipper, bird, bird skipper, bird, bird skipper. So, how do you like the podcast so far that I'm doing? What's your response? I think it's great. I'm. It's, and it's so, it's so true to who you are or like you know we've seen each other once in the last like 15 years but like my memory of you and like where it is it values everything because it's it's got your personal story your kind of day-to-day um but also these creative pieces uh and like there's that one character that came like came in all of a sudden whereas and it was like spider mama was it Spider-Man? Was it the old dude? The like, old dude. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I call yeah. him Practicus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that. You know that it. It's like, it's like getting to see and listen to your brain and how everything is interconnected, and how, you know, talking about one thing leads to another and then brings out this like creative side and like you can you can see all aspects of your personality, which is so cool oh good yeah because one of the hopes is I, I one of my hopes is sort of my mission is to kind of give people permission to like try something that they want to try you know it w- wouldn't necessarily look like what I'm doing but like to just that's what this episode is about this week where I just sort of go off on this like you know who cares if you've got a weird voice and it cracks or you know or like you mm-hmm. you hit a wrong note like if you want to sing a song sing a bloody song who cares that you're not you know that you're not like uh, um, I don't know uh, Beyonce or something it's like and it's not pretty like if part of you like that's what we have to do with the rage because we've got legitimate mm-hmm. rage. That's what I was talking about this, the last couple of days. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't give our permissions, like it's how we go, how are we going to be different? If we're going to be different, we have to give ourselves permission to be different and to, mm-hmm. you know, it's people like, oh, I don't have time to listen to it. Maybe they don't like it. It's like, that's okay. If someone listens to it, they're like, hey, she did that. Yeah, it's kind of something that I want to try. And maybe like, I sort of... Mm-hmm. I sort of like, it's like back in, you know, I want to be the person who just walks onto the stage and falls over, you know, like fucks everything up, but gets up and say, this is brilliant. I did it. I think that uh, I want to be treasured and I want to treasure, treasure you as, so yeah, I still want to be your house spider mama. Always. You will always be my house spider mama. 
Oh, that's it. That's one thing I think about that community is everybody. Every time I talk about high school, um, and whether I'm talking about like my classmates or my teachers, it's like, oh, you still like, you still, you still talk to like your high school teachers. It's like, yeah, Paul McLeod once called me a like. Like wild feminist, like years and years ago, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> like I, and then I sent him a, a message about like, oh, was the first movie you saw the Lasco Cave paintings? And it's like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, just... yeah. And, well, it was yeah. funny because when I reconnected with Olivia in Madison, right, and then yeah. I wasn't invited anywhere for Christmas, and she's like, "Oh, we're going to this party." And it was a New Year's Eve party, and I was in Whitewater, right. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Why don't you come up and come to a to our party? We're going to this cool party. It was all these Trek bike people." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that'd be really lovely." So I dressed up and I drove my car over, and. Uh, my husband Harry stayed back with little Pika because he was really old because he passed away and he, he was really old. We had a beautiful uh, time together and I sent him off yeah. to Rainbow Land. It was really lovely. But because yeah. I remember that time when he broke his leg and you guys made me the Get Well Soon Pico cards. You remember that? <laughs> so sweet. I was like, that is so cute. Like the whole wing made me like my dog is in surgery and he's recovering and I get this little card from my wing about how much they love get well Pico like I was like no you know that was very that was really lovely so um yeah so so Olivia invited me to this party so I get dressed up I'm so excited to go out because you know I'm such a social person so any opportunity to mingle so we we get everything ready we got the wine and everything and the, and I go with her and her fiance in the car and we go to this cool party we're walking and we're meeting everybody and so then we're just like oh and then just like oh who are you and then Olivia's just like oh and this is Anika my drama teacher <laughs> and I was like I was like Olivia you're gonna it was so funny so at this party you know these cool bike people in Madison and just like oh and here's Aniko, here's, she's my drama teacher, my high school drama teacher. And I'm just like, hi. And I was like, Olivia, maybe you just introduce me as your friend, you know, it's just like too weird. <laughs> it's yeah, like, here we are 20 get. years later, here's your drama teacher, you know. And that's what people don't get. It's like, no, like, we all are like truly friends. Like even yes. even at school, I was like, yeah, these are my like wing parents and teachers and friends. Like there's, it's the, it's the same. This is just a person in my life. Like there's nothing, there's nothing strange about it. And other people are like, are, what? And it's like, yeah, yeah, we would like hang out. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome when, you know, at the reunion to see what amazing human beings you've grown into because you're not the awkward teenagers. And I always knew that, that you would be amazing as an adult, you know, but then when you see it embodied, mm-hmm. like, and I felt that way about everyone. I felt that way about mm-hmm. all of us, like mm-hmm. to see us later. And and when we were at that bonfire, you know, like uh, that beautiful bonfire and it was just, yeah. It's great. It's great to still be on the journey. So I didn't, so I had some idea that somehow it would be part of my life and 
would I see would we see each other again would we all leave would it be like oh no you don't stay like you're saying you don't stay friends with your high school teachers or maybe you have one or two people who are special yeah. but not everybody yeah yeah but, yeah for us it's I always I've for years I've been even I've gotten to reconnect with again not a ton of people but like people I legitimately did not like in high school and I've reconnected and it's like you are an amazing person yes let's be friends for life like yeah or like even people who i wasn't friends with we just like weren't in the same circle somehow because everybody was in everybody's circle but like i just didn't hang out with if they were to like knock i mean covid yeah wait they can't knock on your door yeah but if they were to knock on your virtual door exactly (laughs) I would be like, absolutely. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's this community that just, it will, it will always be. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how far apart we've been. It doesn't matter what our relationship was in high school. Like, none of that matters. All that matters is like this connection. Yeah, and it's because we all lived there in a community. And it was very hard for me when I left my intuition told me to leave and it was like say goodbye to paradise you know but I kind of I sort of feel like I want the world to come back together now the way that we felt at conserve I sort of feel like maybe we experience that to know what it's really like when you have to rub up against people it's like Leonard Cohen said about being in a monastery it's not really about being alone it's about two rocks rubbing up against each other and then being smoothing each other and in a way concert school was like that because you learned that you couldn't get away from people you had Mm -hmm. to deal with stuff you had to deal with you had to be nice to people because you were going to see them at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner and they were going to be in your class and they were going to be coming around and checking your room or you were Mm -hmm. couldn't there was no there was no exit so and i like what i feel now about the the world is like conserve school that little bit of paradise it's like i want to help knit the world back together now so that we all feel that way about each other yeah so we'll keep doing that i love it yeah i I can stop the recording now take the What was your experience of me as an English teacher? Awesome. I still like think about like we played these like warm up games to like get the creative juices flowing. And then like I always enjoyed English classes. And in your class, especially, like I can still remember so many of the things that have like stuck with me. Um, I can remember doing screenplays. And then I took a screenplay screenwriting class in college and was like yeah I've done this before and I love it like this is one way to like synthesize I did an Alexander McCall Smith um, Portuguese Irregular Verbs and I turned that into a screenplay for your class I remember just like sitting and collaborating in a way I never had before on that on that project and you know we did poetry I still think of like Michael Waters had this like ears perked for the choo-choo and it's like this so 
cool. It was like so fun. What did and I have you do? Did I have you learn a poem and recite it? I don't. I don't remember. What did the I premise? do for the poem? We just had, we just did, we had like a poetry section and we just wrote a bunch of poetry. Yeah. We did a lot of creative writing, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Which I Warm ups and creative writing and yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and yeah, like, you remember Mike Waters' poem? Was it him reading a poem then? I think we were just like working like one-on-one, like we were sharing our, our poems back and forth and he had... I, all I remember is ears perked for the choo-choo. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> because we had such like lateral movement in your classroom to be able to explore and like try stuff. And, you know, we like embarked on reading Moby Dick and then it was not quite what we expected. And so we just, we shifted. Like, and I've done that so much in my uh, teaching career it's like okay this was the plan let's adjust it like this is where this is the plan this is where everybody is we can still this can still be productive and useful but we're just we're just going to change it a little bit yeah and there's no reason for me I, I felt obviously that there was no reason to be get stuck you know mm-hmm. because it wasn't science it wasn't like well we have to if we if we change the plan, like, you know, and I always, yeah, I, I really struggled with being an English teacher. I was okay as a drama teacher because people leave you alone because it's an elective. So you don't need the drama to get into Harvard, right? But you need the English to get into Harvard. So it was those, those, my role as an English teacher was, was really stressful actually in a lot of ways, you know, but yeah. But I, I'm, I do, I did love the creativity. Mm-hmm. It was just keeping all the students moving along, you know. Yeah. And then philosophically, you said something too, though, about the narrative, about how you you learned that the dominant narrative wasn't necessarily... Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was a big thing in my grad school. We would always say, like... And my roommate from... My like grad school roommate just texted me this today. Like, subvert the dominant narrative was a huge thing. And I feel like that's what we were doing in your class. Like everybody I met, everybody I've met like after high school is like, oh yeah, my high school English class, everybody reads like The Great Gatsby, uh, Catcher in the Rye, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that wasn't my high school English experience. Like we wrote plays, we wrote poetry, we played Big Booty to get our creative juices going. Like we, I remember at one point you let us like choose which book we wanted to read of like Huck Finn. I think I went with O Pioneers um, and maybe one other choice. And it's like, we, there's this idea of like English class, you read these books and you talk about the light on the egg harbor or whatever. And it's like, that's no, we like, we kind of went our own way, which was. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, it, I mean, and then you think of what's going on now with like the Black Lives movement and how like, I just felt really like it was just really wrong to have some kind of, I always felt really bad about um, that you're teenagers and that you have to read these books by these white male sexist Mm -hmm. alcoholics. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you already might be depressed. And I always felt like, and I couldn't handle it. Like it traumatized yeah, yeah. me. I remember like Lauren, when we read that, um, you know, the um, of mice and men. Mm-hmm. And I remember like she cried for like two days and yeah. So I sort of had a bit of a, an epiphany later about it, but so I didn't want to, but there was still always the pressure that I, I should be sticking to some kind of syllabus, but everything in my bones was just like, this is not, Mm-hmm. this isn't right there's something that just isn't right about this this isn't and I so I basically taught the class as a, like more like a graduate class because mm-hmm. which for for you being an independent thinker it was that was like candy <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then what what did you study in grad school uh, natural resources and mostly like environmental environmental education um, and some science communication. So it's like super hands-on. We're writing lesson plans, but also like, hey, if your students want to like build a Quincy, build like a giant snow fort, that can be a lesson because that's, you know, teamwork, that's snow science, that's you know physics and math and environmental stuff like and so we it was this very I was just telling my friend yesterday I was like I think I think Annika would like it here because um, yeah it's it's thinking outside the box it's having kind of this framework of well we're learning this one topic but we're not doing it just one way you know we're well, it sounds interdisciplinary too mm-hmm. yeah Oh, cool. and it was um and you know here's me i'm not a numbers person but guess <laughs> the one thing that i can do is i've always do numerology so i do yeah. this really goofy because i have a medieval mind a part of my mind thinks not like a scientist at all mm-hmm. i'm very qualitative so mm-hmm. i think a lot more in stories and archetypes and as my philosopher friend says oh there's nothing wrong with you you just think the same way as a medievalist does Sure. Like Paul and I, he's the geologist scientist, you know, would mm-hmm. be out in the woods walking along and he'd be like, okay, see this viewpoint over there. There's like those boulders and he would describe the landscape and the features. Mm-hmm. And then he'd say to me, how do you think that happened? And I said, okay, well, this is how I would look at it. So then I would be like, wow, there was this really big angry giant and he came running over and he grabbed the boulders and he threw them over there and then he, and I I made up this story that was completely just like how my mind works, right? Yeah. Because at conserve school, there was always this dialogue that was going on between the mystic me, Mm. Phil Blessman, who was a scientist, but he was a Christian, right? Mm. And then Paul McLeod, who was the atheist, And then Audrey, who was empathetic to everybody's point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So we would, the four of us would have these conversations. So I would see a sign. Mm -hmm. Like I, when I first went to Land Lakes and I was deciding to move there, I thought, well, I'll just go in, I'll take a, a lay of the land here. And I would just went into Land Lakes downtown and I just kind of put my palms up. And I thought, I'm going to imagine myself here in the middle of winter. How Mm. am I going to feel if I make this decision and say, yes, I'm going to be here right in the downtown Land Lakes. And I put my palms there 
and I got this feeling of like snow and sweetness and harmony. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And so then I, and as I was leaving, I looked up into the sky and I thought, well, I need to be really sure because um, this is a big commitment. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, talking that this is, this is normal for me, how I talk to the universe. I have these mystic, to somebody else, they would have a different experience. For me, this is normal, taking mm -hmm. time to figure stuff out. And I'm like, well, I need to be really sure. And then I look up into the sky and I was like, should I really move here? And I see from the airplanes, a WI whistle. No. And so what? I, yeah. And That's so awesome. this is, this is, and so I shared this experience with Phil and yeah. I made the mistake <laughs> of sharing this experience at lunch or dinner or something with Phil and Paul. And of course they were just all over it. Like mm. they, first of all, they thought it was really funny and they challenged me. And so after that, I was like, I was like, but it doesn't matter what the, it, to me, it didn't matter what caused it. Mm. I'm a medievalist. I don't care. I'm into Aboriginal dream space time. I don't care about causality. Causality is a very modern invention. Mm -hmm. And also, if you think about Einstein, he got it wrong with time anyway, because we don't really understand time anyway. It's just a brain's we age in the physical mm -hmm. body, but that doesn't mean that we understand time, right? So that's mm -hmm. also where I come from philosophically on another level. So to me, yeah. causality is, well, all that matters is that the sign was there and I saw it and I read it just like mm -hmm. a dream. It doesn't matter whether there was a God who put it there or whether it was an accident. Don't give a shit, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that was the part. So then that began this dialogue. So when I was with Paul, but Paul always, and not that Phil didn't, but Paul always respected my mystic side because he's, mm -hmm. he's cool like that. He's very, really open-minded, actually, Paul. Mm -hmm. Incredibly. I wonder what he is on the, uh, we'll have to find out what he's on the Enneagram. We could probably find out. And because uh, he's open, he'll do it. Yeah. Um, so then when he, we described and I said, you know, I really put my mind to it. And I thought, how would a landscape end this way? And I thought, well, a giant would come over here and throw these boulders over here. And then maybe this or that. And then Paul was like, yeah, you know what? You're really close because this is what happened. And then he explained the role of the glaciers and the ice and how everything that I would have explained as a giant, the earth kind of would have mm -hmm. come up with in its little scientific way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so, um, yeah, molten... so, yeah, so <laughs> go ahead. Well, it's like Moulton's theory of uh, religion as mythology. Oh, where, like, wow, yes. Yeah, like when I learned about that in college, I, that also just like blew my mind wide open. It's like, yeah, if you having that, as you say, like kind of medieval uh, framework is like, you know, something happened, you know, and like the the giants and the boulders is like such a great example it's like well this happened we weren't here to see it we don't know for sure what happened but this kind of makes sense so it's like how does the sun go through the sky well maybe it's you know this 
you know, God of the sun. We're just trying to like explain what we see based on what we already know. So yeah, that's awesome. Like it, it makes so much sense. Cause yeah. And it's, it's like a super interesting and valid way of thinking or like any, any of the like creation stories from any culture. It's so cool. It's so cool. Well, yeah. And that's why I feel, you know, there's a, a connection to, I mean, for me, what's important is to understand how you think. So it's to know yourself. Like I know how I think. So to me, this is normal and I can hold a conversation and I can, you know, mm-hmm. so there's, that's really important. But one thing I do remember always is the duct tape dress for prom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that Lizzie and I made the yes. night before. <laughs> the duct tape dress. And I remember like being at prom and I'd never even been to prom. And you know, yes. and we were like, so we were sort of quite nerdy, weren't we? Because there was, you know, there oh, was yeah. all, all sorts of stuff going on. And then I just thought how cool you were, but it was, it was just something, it was kind of like taking the piss though, wasn't it? Were you totally taking the piss with the duct tape I... dress? Or did you, what was in, what, why did you? <laughs> <laughs> so for the audience who's listening, Laura made a, a beautiful dress completely out of duct tape. That was this kind of incredible, Thing. it was like a boat around her it was like this yeah. silver boat around her and it was like strapped on and you were in there <laughs> you were in there somewhere somehow and I was like and everybody else is taking prom so seriously about who they're dating and what they're gonna look like and everything and then I was like Laura you're going to prom in a duct tape dress wow you're brave you know tell me about that side of you Laura now you can tell me more about this Oh, <laughs> we never got the so chance cool. to talk. No. <laughs> How do you feel now about the duct tape dress? Do you, you don't think of it that often, but I do remember it as a standout thing with you. <laughs> it was one of those standout moments <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh yeah, I had forgotten about that. Um, I thought so you like, had probably forgotten about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think about senior prom, was kind of the same like there was this I'm gonna go off on a tangent and then I'll bring it back to the duct tape but there was this like dress that so many of us had worn to different dances throughout the years um it was like teal and had big ruffles and like was just super from the 80s and I like put my hair in a side ponytail I went with like one of my friends who was a freshman he was like five feet tall at the time and uh, the the admissions director at the time drove us in a minibus to Rhinelander for Chinese food and Dairy Queen, and then we just danced so hard all night to 90s music. And so that's like what stands out in my mind. Oh, cool! It sounds great. <laughs> it was so fun. Oh gosh, there's like there's pictures like Ryan wore a dress. He looked fabulous. It was it was like oh, that the whole thing. Awesome. But freshman year, like, I've always been kind of, I would say, like, counterculture and kind of questioning uh, of most of mainstream culture. And I was, I was so into duct tape, like duct tape everything, duct tape, 
I used so much duct tape in like eighth grade. And there is this trend of people like doing duct tape dresses and tuxedos and all this for prom. And you could like enter a scholarship and do all this stuff. And I was like, you know, that's that's cool. I like don't have a date for prom, so I'm not gonna worry about the scholarship. Everybody's like, oh, you should do the scholarship. And it's like, no, no. And they, like people who did that did really elaborate designs. And I was like, I just wanted, I just wanna wear a duct tape dress. And so Lizzie, um, who is also in our wing that year and I like, we just got like trash bags and huge rolls of duct tape and stayed up really late and just like made this it was it was like so hot it was like bomb proof it was yeah just it looked so really heavy. uncomfortable yeah that looks like that was like the surprise it was like oh my god what are you gonna do like you can't take it off <laughs> I don't yeah I don't remember like there must have been some sort of fastening system but I, I it was I think she kind of oh. taped you in there. That was like, yeah. I think part of it. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> the Mud Skipper came into the podcast this week, and I don't know why. So, my gift to you <laughs> um, as your house mom and as your friend is the Mud Skipper. And there's the quote by Einstein, you know, what does a fish know about the water within, as I put it in my funny language, the water within it swims. <laughs> Don't even ask about the grammar, but I know you love grammar, so you can probably figure that out. <laughs> but what does a fish know about the water within it swims? And the mud skipper came to me, I think, as a spirit animal in this conversation, in this creative knitting, spider mama knitting, that is my podcast. And the mud skipper came because a fish like the mud skipper, yeah, it doesn't really know much about the, the water that it lives in. But it's really important for the mud skipper to know a couple of things. And one of the things is the mud skipper, <laughs> the environment, the mud skipper doesn't live in water, the mud skipper lives in mud most of the time. So it's water and mud. So the mud skipper has a, a diverse environment that it thrives in. The So think about that, you know, what kind of you can draw the conclusions as you wish i'll be the mud skipper is your little mirror peer into those beautiful mud skipper's eyes and the other thing that's really important is that the mud skipper has can breathe so the mud skipper is amphibian and has a very unique biological anatomy so un, the mud skipper is unlike any other fish the mud skipper is one of its kind and if you're a mud skipper that's kind of important to know that that you're a being of a miraculous existence and mud skippers can do incredible things that other other so-called fish or toads can't do and fly up into the air breathe 
use those beautiful fins. So, getting to know oneself is, is awesome. And I feel like we get to know ourselves better by through the mirror that we are for each other. And Alice Walker has a beautiful piece about how for her she couldn't find her identity because she wasn't looking in, in, in the right mirror. And I feel that this week, oh wow, there's a helicopter or something coming. I feel like this week working on the podcast with you, Laura, has been this journey of discovering things about myself and such an amazing affirmation about, you know, I'm not perfect, but I worked really hard as a teacher and as a house parent and as a theater director and as a house mom and I really showed up for you guys and when I when I left I don't know if I if I have valued it until we had our conversation that we had this week I don't know if I had valued um the difference imperfect as I am the difference that I made and that's pretty powerful so thank you, I'm, thank you. And, um, wow, it's been a great journey. I hope everyone loved this podcast and we, we do it differently because, you know why? Because we're mud skippers, mud skippers, mud skippers. Here we go. Got my eyes upon my head, cause I'm a mud, mud skipper.
you so much for joining me again this week. I had a wonderful, fun ride on the magical mystery bus through memory lane, down memory lane, round the corner, over the mountain and home again. Um, thank you, Laura Beck, for being on the show. Thank you for um, everybody who's in the story. <laughs> Hope you get a chance to listen to it. And I have a new podcast coming up. I'll be talking to E.B., who was in my original First Footing podcast, and we're going to have a chance to connect now. So I'm really looking forward to this week, as always. And uh, stay safe. Bon voyage.